Welcome, happy Easter. Welcome as we gather for Lincoln Square Presbyterian's online worship for April 12th. And we gather by God's Spirit on this day of resurrection to remember God's actions and work for us in Christ. And as we begin our service, I just want to take a moment to share a couple announcements with you. Uh, first, on this Easter celebration, we invite you to go to um, LSPC's Facebook page if you want to post photos or videos or, or notes or things that you found encouraging on this Easter. We'd love to have you participate by posting things there. Also, you can go to the church's website to learn more about online gatherings coming up or different ways to receive support or prayer. When we do gather for worship, we come in response to Christ's welcome and Christ's generosity. And so as we come in response to his welcome, I want to even take a moment now even to pause the video. And if you're worshiping with others, you can pass the peace of Christ or give them a greeting in Christ this day, or take a moment to send a text or an email or offer a prayer of peace uh, for someone else. And in response to Christ's generosity, I invite you to give to give generously, and especially want to highlight the Benevolence Fund. This is a fund that allows the deacons of the church to care for church members and neighbors. If you'd like to contribute to that, you can go to our website under Give and give to the Benevolence Fund. Or if you need support, please let the deacons or the church know about that. Well, we have come here to worship. We come in the good news that Christ has entered death and risen to new life. As we come to worship, let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. I invite you to join in our call to worship as we begin our time together. This is the good news. The grave is empty. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the good news. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never put it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.
lesson comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 1 through 6. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. Again you shall adorn yourself with tambourines, and shall go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. Again you shall plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. The planter shall plant, and shall enjoy the fruit. For there shall be a day when a watchman will call in the hill country of Ephraim. Arise, and let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. The New Testament reading comes from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that, God's, that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of the peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened through all Judea, beginning from Galilee, Galilee after the baptism of, that John pro proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. 
But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. And I want to take a moment just to say I'll pray with us, uh, and then I'll have a time of silence at the end. You can offer your own personal prayers of confession or need to God. And as I've mentioned in the videos in the past, I encourage you to even pause the video and uh, if you're worshiping on your own, to take a moment to reflect on how you're doing, the, how you want to bring yourself before God. Or if you're worshiping with others, to take a moment to check in with each other, to ask uh, how people are doing around you. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord, we gather here by your Spirit on this Easter day, and we give you thanks, Lord, that we come with the hope of Christ. We do not come with the hope of our goodness or our diligence, our strength. Lord, we come in the hope of Christ. But even as we come in Christ by your Spirit, we acknowledge that we are surrounded by news and by the reality of, of suffering and of sickness of separation and loss. We find that many of the conditions in which we live and work have radically changed in the last month, leaving us feeling weary or disconnected, vulnerable, just at a loss from our normal life. And so, Lord, I pray that you would meet us, even as we feel maybe disengaged from worship or fellowship. Lord, meet us by your Spirit with the good news of the resurrection. In the midst of our need and circumstances, let us see your promise and let us see your work in Christ, that we gather as the people of the risen Jesus, the people who trust in the God who raises the dead. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, you tell us, take heart. In this world you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. Jesus, you tell us to seek first your kingdom in your righteousness, to not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself, that each day has enough trouble on its own. Lord, we confess that we have many worries and much trouble, but we ask that you would speak into our hearts by your Spirit and by your Word, that today we may rest in your grace, that we may rest in the enduring hope of the resurrection. We thank you for the promise that Christ's victory over death is not just for him, but that he is ascribed as the beginning, as the first fruits, the one who will lead forth many in victory and the resurrection in life. And we thank you by your grace that we are part of that work that Christ has done. We thank you and proclaim with Christ that it is you, Lord, your grace, not our sin, not how we've been mistreated, not even our death that will have the final word, but you will have the final word. Lord, we trust in the promise that you have come to make all things new. And we look for that better day, that new day, the day of resurrection. 
which you say that we'll have no need for a sun or moon, that you are, yourself will be the light. Your sun will never set again, that your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light, your prophet says, and your days of sorrow will end. We long for this good news in Christ. We pray that even now, as we walk through the days in front of us, that we may be your body, that we may represent your kingdom here on earth. So, Lord, we come and we pray for the places in which you are at work. We pray for our homes. We pray for patience for families as they learn to work and live and do school in close proximity. We pray for those who are feeling lonely or isolated. We pray for for those who feel unsafe in their home. Lord, we pray for our hospitals and medical centers. We give you thanks for the professionals and those who are caring for the sick, those who are caring for those facilities. We pray especially for those who are sick and suffering, for those who are receiving treatment. We pray that you would comfort those who have lost loved ones, who cannot come and visit loved ones at this time. And Lord, we pray for our businesses, the shops on the streets around us. We pray that you would comfort and speak peace to those who are worried about lost wages. We pray that you would be with those who are seeking to manage or make decisions about their work. And Lord, we pray for the church and the mission works that are happening around the city and our country and the world. We pray even in this separation that the church could be your representatives We pray especially for those who are serving others, providing necessary services to them. Lord, meet us in our needs this day with your hope. Let's take a moment now to bring our own personal confession and needs to God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm thankful for the chance to look at God's word with you as we celebrate Easter and think about the good news of Christ's resurrection. Today we'll look at Matthew's account of Jesus' resurrection of the empty tomb. It's from Matthew 28, verse 1 through 10. And as we read this, I want to encourage you to notice how over and over again Matthew invites us to behold, to see, to look at what has happened. Hear now from God's Word, Matthew 28, 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, 
that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is God's word given for our good. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for gathering us by your spirit, and we pray that you would speak to us by your word, that you would open our hearts to receive from you. Lord, we come to you in desperate need of your comfort, of your presence, of your truth. So, Lord, we pray that you grant that to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we reflect on this passage from Matthew, uh, the sermon will have two parts, two questions that I want us to look at. The first question is, what are we to behold or to see? As I mentioned before our reading, that Matthew, one of the characteristics of his account of Easter is over and over again, he invites us to look, to see. And so the first question is to ask, what are we to behold? What are we to see? And then the second question we'll look at in the second part of the sermon is how does this vision, this seeing, lead to the command, do not be afraid? How does that vision lead to the angel and Jesus telling us, do not be afraid? So let's look at this first question. What are we to see? What are we to behold? We have to start at the beginning of our passage. Now after the Sabbath, Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now, the other gospel writers tell us that these women who walk in their first light of the morning came with burial spices. After witnessing the terrible events around Jesus' death, they returned to where they were staying to prepare spices and ointments for his body. They deeply desired to immediately return to the tomb but they had to wait through the Sabbath. And now at the first light of Sunday, as soon as they can, they come to the tomb. Now Matthew, you might have noticed, doesn't worry about the details of spices or ointments. He simply wants us to see these women. Our first steps into the story is through their experience. They go to see the tomb. They want to be there. They want to be near Jesus, to express their sorrow, to do something. And maybe you can relate to that experience. Maybe you can step into those paths with them. Do you know that feeling? I can't change what has happened, but I want to do something. I want to express my love, my my sorrow. And I imagine many of us have felt that way recently. We can't change the pandemic. We can't change the circumstances but we can reach out to express love or connection or care to someone. We can pick up groceries for someone, volunteer, sew masks, give blood. These women want to do something and to express their affection for Jesus. So they go to the tomb, but right away Matthew tells us they do not find it the way they expect to find it. Behold, see, says Matthew, It's as if he's saying to us, don't miss this. 
Behold, a great earthquake. Behold, an angel of the Lord. See, the guards fainting to the ground. Behold, an angel of the Lord. He descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone covering the tomb and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and he was clothed white as snow. Do not be afraid. For I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Come, see, see the place where he lay. What are we to make of this scene that Matthew invites us to behold? I don't know about you, but to to be honest, I don't think very often about angels. Not sure what to think or how to picture them. So what does the presence of this angel mean? The angel's presence points to the presence of God. This unknown, this strangeness, this sense of all being overturned and shaken speaks to the mysterious nature of Easter. The angel and all the events proclaim here is something outside of human power, beyond human planning. Here is an action of God. The world rejected Jesus. He was crushed as one devalued, one to be forgotten. He was crucified and placed in a tomb. And today and in the past, all people, whether today or those long ago, all know that a crucified man, a man crushed by the powers, does not live to tell the tale. All know that a man who has been dead and buried for three days, does not rise to new life. All know that a tomb is the place of sorrow and death. It's the place where things have come to an end. It's not the place of new beginnings. Yet we are told to behold, to see what has happened. He is not here. He is risen. Earlier this week, we received an email from my son's school, with a video attached. The video was a a montage, a collection of the principal and the staff singing and dancing in their individual homes to the high school musical song, We're All In This Together. (laughs) If you don't know that song, you can look it up. It'll make this story even better. It's about four minutes long, and I have to say it was amazing. (laughs) It was amazing. Watching the principal and the different staff sing and dance brought laughter and joy to my whole family. It was an act of communication, of of care, of connection to the school community. Maybe you can think of other actions, other things that you've noticed that have expressed care, expressed connection. I saw a story on CNN of a Georgia bar owner who removed $3,714 worth of bills that had been stapled to the walls of the bar. She took them down to give to her unemployed staff. One reminder uh, from this terrible pandemic is that we can help one another. In big and small ways, we can encourage, we can communicate, we can care, connect with one another. And I, I celebrate this care and love and such actions, big or small, point to, they reflect God's steadfast love for you and for me. But I want us to see that in the resurrection, that what Matthew's inviting us to behold that's happened in Jesus is of a completely other category. 
It's a mystery. It's completely other, something beyond human power, beyond human control, beyond human limitation, beyond human acts of good. In her poem, I Never Lost As Much But Twice, Emily Dickinson writes, reflecting upon the death of two people who were dear to her, and she writes the line, Twice have I stood a beggar before the door of God. Twice have I stood a beggar before the door of God. Many of us know this pain, know the bitterness of the closed door of which she writes. But now on Easter morning, what we're invited to behold is that something completely new has happened. The door that has always been locked has been opened. See, this is how C.S. Lewis describes the resurrection we come to the strangest story of all. It is necessary to get it clear. Something perfectly new in the history of the universe has happened. The door that has always been locked is now open. Behold, our role is to see. Our role is to witness what God has done, to see that he does what we cannot do. And that's part of the reason you might notice in the account that the humans involved are silent. The guards faint and fall to the ground. The women are quiet and listen and watch. The humans are quiet as a way to represent that their role is passive. They are to see what God is doing. But the angel proclaims God's activity that the one who was crucified, he is not here, for he is risen. On the cross, Jesus took our hurt, our sin, our mistreatment and brokenness, our suffering and death upon himself. But the angel in the empty tomb proclaimed that such things could not hold him, that he went into the tomb, the despised one, but is now risen and vindicated by God as the glorious Lord, the Son of God. And this proclaims the good news that sin and evil and death are not the final word in our lives, but in Christ the final word is God's victory and his grace. So what are we to see? What are we to behold? Easter is a mysterious event to which we cannot add anything. It makes sense that the central event of the Christian faith is not dependent upon you or me. It's not some combination of our effort engagement with God. It does not rest upon our involvement or work. We are to see that Easter is a gift. In the midst of our sorrows, in the midst of our striving, in the midst of our struggling and our pain and our mourning and loss, it offers us the gift, the gift of hope. So the first question we asked is, what does Matthew invite us to see, to behold? And we can see that Easter is the actions of God for us in Christ. And that leads us to the second question, where does this vision, where does this beholding lead us? And what our passage helps us see is that this new vision, this seeing God's work, leads us to the, the call, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. This important phrase is spoken both by the angel and by the risen Jesus. Do not be afraid, the angel says to the women. He is not here, for he has risen. He is going ahead of you. So Mary and Mary Magdalene run to tell the disciples. They depart with joy and wonder, but then, surprise, Jesus meets them on the way with greetings. 
they fall down to worship him, and Jesus offers the words of comfort and courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. This is one of the consistent messages that God speaks through his prophets, through his angels, and through his son. Fear not. Do not be afraid. The Christian faith confesses that Jesus, the one who was crucified on a Roman cross, was bodily raised from the dead. That this Jesus that the world refused to acknowledge, that was cast off, shamed, and rejected, this Jesus has risen. And the resurrection of Jesus, the rejected one, tells us about the true God, about the God who calls us and invites us to follow him and to trust him. Scripture offers us many names for God. You can think of the God of Abraham, the God of Israel, the Almighty, Abba, Father, my rock and my redeemer. But one of the other names that is given to the Lord is that he is the God who raises the dead. We worship the God who raises the dead. You see, Jesus' resurrection of his physical body points to the God who is responsible, points to who God is. And it's one thing, hear this, it's one thing for us to affirm this idea, Jesus rose, but the call of do not be afraid, this call is an invitation for us to explore how Easter can speak hope into our fears, speak peace into our uncertainties. And that's my hope for us, that we don't just affirm this truth as something out there, but it's a truth that penetrates into our very being. And if that's going to happen for us, we have to begin once again with the women walking in grief to the tomb. Think of these women. Think of Mary, Jesus' mother, stumbling way down with grief, struggling to acknowledge, to admit what has happened. Certainly she feels powerless and at loss, even angry at the powers of the world, how they've treated her son. Holy Saturday. That is the steps that they are walking through. Holy Saturday is the day between Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. It's the day between Good Friday and Easter, and it's the day that gives witness to the long and slow movement between death and life where it marks the crucified Christ laying dead in the tomb. A number of theologians are reflecting how our long waiting, our current time of separation and social distancing is like a prolonged Holy Saturday, waiting and waiting for new life in the midst of frustration and loss and mourning and fear. One author trying to describe this experience writes, as the pandemic continues, one of the most frightening and frustrating aspects of the disaster is the fact that no one knows how long it will be before the crisis is resolved. As humans, we're used to stories that have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it's hard to make sense of an experience without knowing where you are in that plot line. I don't know about you, but... I like to know where I am in the story. In my Kindle, which I like to read from, down in the little corner that has a percentage of where I am in the book, I like to check and see how far I've made it on the pages I've been reading. 
We feel our uncertainty when we don't know where we are in the story. And letting go of fear, finding hope involves confessing both our failures, our worries, our sorrows, along with the power of God. Easter invites us to feel Holy Saturday. The movement from fear to hope is not smooth, it's not easy. Easter is our promised end, but our path bears suffering and death. And so let's think about that path for a moment. Let's think even on this Easter Sunday that there are times that we can acknowledge that life is hard and it feels uncertain, that we feel uncertain about everything, that you wonder what you should be doing, wonder if you've ever been on the right track. If you're like me, I can see my failures or my shortcomings and wonder if I've messed everything up. There are times when we're gripped with fear, when we mourn deeply the loss of one we love, or when we're filled with worries for a friend, a child, or a spouse. You see, sometimes this path, this path that we walk upon is slow and challenging, and sometimes it's filled with sharp crises. The Apostle Paul shares a time in his life when he faced a sharp crisis. He writes about being imprisoned and mistreated in Ephesus. And through that experience, Paul came to the point where he not only thought he was going to be killed, but where his own spirits reached such a low ebb that he felt sorrow, fear, and anxiety into the depths of his heart, he says. One author writes, Paul writes as one overwhelmed with anxiety, the low too heavy, his personal resources worn to nothing. And after describing his struggle, Paul reflects on its meaning. And Paul writes this for himself and for you and for me. He says in the harsh circumstances, in this path that he was walking, it forced him to see his limits, see them in a new way. It forced him to see that he must not rely upon himself, but rely on the God who raises the dead. That's his conclusion, that he has to rely on the God who raises the dead. See, walking with hope, finding a path in the midst of our fears, trusting and finding peace involves confessing, confessing both our failures and our weakness along with the power of God. At some point, whether over a long stretch of choices and consequences or in a sudden crisis, we will all see the reality that we have to trust something other than our own plans, our own goodness. Something other than our personal strength, our financial success, our religious goodness, our nice appearance. You see, Paul already believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. That's why he was following him. But in this moment, in this crisis, when he felt his limits and felt his insufficiency in a new way, he found himself relying upon and resting on the work of God in Christ, the God who raises the dead. And that's what Easter can be for you and me. Not just a truth out there, but one that speaks a reality into our brokenness and our limits and our insufficiency. I saw a story a while back about the game shows. Game shows are crazy all over the world. And I saw that there was a game show at one point in the past in the Netherlands in which former soccer stars came on and tried to hit people doing various things, tried to hit them with the soccer ball. <laughs> Sounds crazy, right? 
So it sounds strange, but here's one of the scenes I saw, an episode in one of them. Marco Van Basten, a famous soccer player, was tasked with kicking a soccer ball at a man who was riding his bike. The bike rider was about 25 yards away, and he was casually biking across the field. Van Basten steps up, and on the first try, he sends the ball straight into the man's head. A laser, boom. The man and the bike are on the ground, laying there in the field while everybody else on the game show was celebrating, jumping up and down, giving high fives, because he did it. <laughs> game shows are strange. I share that as a contrast, because there's all sorts of ways to celebrate. There's all sorts of ways to celebrate. Sometimes we can jump up and down and give high fives and be silly. But we see a different type of celebration with Mary and with Mary before Jesus. It's a celebration that's marked not by silliness, but by worship, by joy, by fear or awe of what they've encountered. And they, they respond that way, that celebration, because it goes down to the depths of who they are. The celebration is, speaks to those who've experienced Good Friday and who've waded through Holy Saturday. It's a celebration of those who see Jesus, the one who raised, is raised to new life, is the one who can reach down to the places in our hearts and lives full of fear, full of worries and shame and guilt, that this Jesus can speak peace into those deepest places. Let us remember on this day that Jesus came in the flesh, came into our very need. He did not come begrudgingly, but he came that you and I might know God's love, that God is not indifferent to our sufferings and our need, but that God loves us and moves towards us in grace. Jesus fully experienced the human condition, the human fears. He endured the terrible death on the cross, and the Apostles' Creed tells us that he descended as a dead man into hell. There was no part of the human experience that God did not step into. And the good news, the good news of Easter and the resurrection is that we do not make our way to Christ in his condition, but that Christ entered our condition, made his way to us. And therefore, we can rest and rejoice in the one who has entered into our deepest fears, our deepest places, to tell us that he has been victorious over all of them and that we belong to him now and forever. Amen. Lord, thank you for who you are. We thank you for your good word. We thank you for the promise of Christ, and we pray that we may find hope in it this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Lord, in this response to the good news of Christ, I invite you to respond by confessing the faith together. This is from 1 Corinthians 15. Let us declare our faith in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He was buried, he was raised to life on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Afterwards, he appeared to his followers and to all the apostles. This we have received and this we believe. Amen. Receive now God's blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Thank you.